Welcome to another episode of the Wholesale Elite Podcast. I'm Aisham Hipshire, and I'm here with my studly co-host, Mr. Tanner Santucci. Yo. And uh, today we are blessed and graced to be in the presence of a giant. Uh, this gentleman, Mr. Jacob Simpson, is a stud in the world of wholesaling real estate, and I cannot wait for you guys to uh, to hear his story and to just dive into his mind. So, Jacob, how are you, brother? I'm doing good. I appreciate the intro. I appreciate you having me on the show, and I'm I'm ready to drop some gems for everyone. Love awesome, it, brother. Well, we got notebooks in hand, so we're we're ready to write down because we are we are learners. <laughs> hey, let's make it happen. Absolutely, man. Well, dude, if, if you wouldn't mind starting, I just want to kind of get some of your, your origin story. I know, you know, a lot of the times, you know, before we start the, the show, you know, we'll, we'll come on kind of off camera and we'll just chit chat. But I've, I've learned over time to just be like, yo, don't tell me anything. You know, I, I, I know what I know about you from, from social media, but uh, don't tell me anything. I'm gonna, let, let, let's catch it all, you know, on, on wax, as they say. So bring us back, man. Tell us about your origin story, you know, where you came from. Um, you know, and, and eventually we'll work into how you got into real estate. All right, cool. Yeah. So, um, I grew up in Northern Virginia. Um, <clears throat> you know, I was just regular middle-class family. Um, so, you know, nothing special there. Um, I always, my grandpa did really well in stocks. So I had always pictured myself as being someone who, you know, well, one, I thought I was going to be a lawyer, engineer, or a manager, so in my head, I was either going to get into one of those positions and then invest in stocks and then use stocks as a way to kind of get out of the nine to five world. So real estate was never kind of in my realm of possibilities. I honestly didn't even think it was something that would make you money because I would hear a lot of the horror stories of, you know, people getting burdened by landlords or making like, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month off of a rent or a rental. And in my head, I'm like, look, I'm trying to make dividends or I'm trying to, you know, grow my portfolio. So I was only looking into stocks. Um, so kind of how I got into the actual entrepreneurial world was I ended up going to college. And when I went to college, I was in my like orientation and they were like, all right, you need to sign up for whatever class you, you know, or whatever major you're looking to sign up for. So I remember I wanted to be lawyer was kind of out of the question because I wasn't trying to go to school for eight years. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be an engineer. And I remember looking at um, the like classes and I'm good at math, but I'm not that good at science. <clears throat> so I remember looking at the classes and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like I thought this was all math. You're telling me there's like physics and biology and chemistry and, and engineering. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, nah, it's it's mainly science. And I was like, all right, so uh, <clears throat> what about entrepreneurship? And like I went over and looked at like the management, um, the management uh, major figured I was like, OK, I jumped into um, management with a concentration in entrepreneurship. So all of my classes were kind of around building a business. And then again, I never thought I was going to jump into real estate this whole time. It was I'm going to get into a manager role work my way up to a CEO position and then become a CEO and just buy a bunch of stocks. Um, so I remember going through, and then if you guys want to cut me off at any point, just cut me off. Oh, you're good. Yeah, man. Keep rolling, bro. Um, so I remember I went, uh, I, I graduated school and my plan was to go to 
uh, because like I said, to become a manager, but I never crossed my mind that to become a manager, you had to probably have experience. And so I was like, Oh dang, like I got to go into a data, a data entry level position or like business analyst or something of that nature. And that just wasn't of interest to me. So I started looking at sales positions, jumped into a sales, um, jumped into a sales role for a technology company. And ironically, I got fired within like three months. So how I, so how I got fired. Yeah. So how I got fired was someone, basically I was sick and I had asked my boss if I could take, like go home early that day. And he was like, see if you can just, you know, thug it out and, and stay here. So I was like, okay, cool. So I remember I had my head down and someone threw a football. We were like in an open sales room. So it was very like playful, you know, vibes. Someone threw a football and it hit me in the top of the head. And, you know, me being a hothead at the time, I, I literally remember just looking up at him and I was like, oh, hell no. Like, <laughs> you, you, I was like, I don't care enough about this job, bro. You got to see me outside. <laughs> and, and he was like, yo, calm down, calm down. I was like, nah, I was like, screw everyone here. Like, you got to see me outside. We're not doing this. Long story short, we didn't, no one went outside, but management was like, you got to go. Like, this is not okay. So, what? yeah. So I ended up getting fired. Um, but that led me to another sales role. And one of my colleagues was like, Hey, you are really good at, I think you'd do really good at real estate. My last job was really real estate oriented. And I think you'd do great into it. Look into Grant Cardone. So I'm like, all right, like I'll look into Grant Cardone. I like some of these motivational speakers started looking into Grant Cardone and I was like, okay, this dude, you know, he might be onto something with multifamily. I remember I got one of his free books, started reading it. And I'm like, I don't know how to get into multifamily. How I long ago was this, by the way? 2017 or 2018? I think 2018. Okay. So like okay. summer of 2018. And I remember, um, yeah, so it would have been, I got fired in 2017, went to my new job in January of 2018. So it would have been like right around the summer of Jan- or 2018. Gotcha. So I remember um, I didn't know how to get into multifamilies. And I remember I, I was playing Xbox with a buddy of mine and he worked for a title company up here. It's called Allied Title. And I remember he's like, there's some wholesalers coming in here um, and they're closing some pretty big deals. You should look into wholesaling. He kind of told me what it was. And I'm like, man, this is a sounds like a scam. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I'm not even going to entertain this. Fast forward like a week later, my mom goes, hey, my, you know, my best friend's husband, he's all he's in real estate and he's supposedly doing really well. You should reach out to him and see what he's doing. So I gave him a call one day on the way to work and he's like, yeah, I do. You know, I'm wholesaling. I'm like, what? Like, this is the second person in like two weeks that has mentioned wholesaling to me now. Um and so I kind of just asked him about it. I looked into him and I, I saw some podcasts where he was talking about how good he was doing. And I was like, okay, uh, you know, this might, you know, there might be something here. So I started looking into, um, you know, podcasts around wholesaling, found wholesaling Inc and all that good stuff. And then that's kind of just where my, you know, that's kind of how I got into entrepreneurship and then uh, how I jumped into real estate from there. So did you graduate? Did you go through college? Get the yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know that they had entrepreneurial degrees. Like, was this a minor? I didn't either. 
So it was my major was management with a minor in communications, but my major's concentration was entrepreneurship. So it was like the beginning classes were just business, but like the, the, um, you know, upper level classes were all around like marketing plans, how to start a business, like all of that good stuff. So I had one teacher who actually owned seven corporations and one of them was like a really big corporation. So it wasn't like, you know, it was actually pretty beneficial. We're actually learning from people who owned businesses and, and got to see firsthand what they were doing. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, you hear a lot of people crapping on schools for dear, you know, for, for having entrepreneurial programs, but I think that's the, that's the main issue is that the old saying, those who can't do teach, you know, there's this assumption that the, uh, the professors or whatever that, that are leading these classes, you know, I've never owned a business. So it's refreshing to hear that, uh, that, that this, this new crop that's up and coming are actually, you know, business owners, um, teaching other people. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, Jacob, I'll give you props for, or your school props, whatever school you went to for that, because I went to school for a science degree, essentially. So a waste of money. So props to you for having a degree that actually is relatable and you could put to use. That's all. (laughs) For sure. Well, I'm on the same page, honestly, that college is, is, in my opinion, a waste of money. Now, what I tell everyone is don't go, because where I saw a lot of people in college, they would go to school and then they wouldn't have any idea what they wanted to go to school for. Right. And then, so your first like two years is just trying to figure it out and then you just get a major. And so you just spent like $60,000 to figure out what you wanted to do. I'm like, figure out what you want to do. And then once you figure that out, if college is required, then go to school. So for me, I already knew it was either a lawyer, engineer, or a man like management. So when I was in the, like when I was in that little like orientation room and they're saying, pick your, like pick your majors, it wasn't even a question for me. I already knew exactly which path I was going, but for anyone who's like, I don't know, don't spend $30,000 to figure out what you want to do. Go work for people, go look on the internet, go experience things. And then once you're like, okay, I want to be a dentist. I need to go to college to be a dentist, then go to college and focus only on dentistry. Don't go there to figure out you want to do dentistry. Understood. Yeah. So when you landed on real estate, um, Walk me through that. Were you anxious? Were you excited? Uh, you know, how, how was that? You know, were you inspired by the stories that you heard or what was that journey like when you entered into it? Yeah. So I had done like Amazon FBA prior, or I kind of looked into that. I didn't really like put a store together. Um, I looked into like Forex, um, you know, I, I looked into dividend stocks. So I was really bouncing all over the place and I really wasn't, like I would buy a software that would help me look at something, but then I wouldn't go farther than that. And so it was literally just shiny object syndrome. So when I got into, um, when I got into real estate, when I heard about wholesaling, I was like, okay, I can make a lot of money with at this. But then I started listening to wholesaling Inc. And I was like, not only can I make a lot of money, I can help a lot of people. So I like that. But they, one of the things that kept popping up was they kept asking, what kind of books are you reading at the end of the podcast? And everyone would have a book. And one of the books that kept popping up was Think and Grow Rich. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, if most CEOs are reading, everyone on here is talking about books, it would probably be wise for me to start reading or at least look into what they're doing. So I grabbed Think and Grow Rich and I was like, I haven't really read a full book since I was in like grade school. Let me actually go through this and see 
if I can finish from start to, you know, from the start of the book to the end of the book and see if I can make it through this whole thing. So I started reading it and it was really kind of eye opening. I was like, okay, the reason I'm not able to get out of this is because I'm bouncing around. So it was kind of a shift of like, I can't give up at wholesaling. I know that as long as I put all of my energy into it and just keep growing from it and have the right mindset, I'm going to be able to do it. So it was a common, I really wasn't excited getting into it, but as I was learning more about it, the more excited I was getting because I was like, oh my gosh, like once I figure this out, I'm going to be able to help a lot of people and make a lot of money. So for me, like it was a win-win situation. So how important do you think it was though for you to bounce around from thing to thing, you know, kind of play around in a way, you know, like Amazon, you were saying and all these different things. I feel like that's a common theme in a lot of wholesalers and not just wholesalers, entrepreneurs, right? Mm -hmm. How important do you think that was for you to actually have been able to bounce around and then you finally pick something? Um, Because like I said, I think it's a common theme and you hear that a lot with people. Um, And so do you think that was a benefit to you or do you, do you think that if you weren't bouncing around from thing to thing, would that have led you to wholesaling and would you have ultimately chose wholesaling over something else? Um, if I wasn't bouncing around, I probably wouldn't have gotten into wholesaling. I don't know if I would have ever came across any like TikTok videos because I'm not really on Instagram or TikTok like that. So I don't know if I would have ever came across anything about wholesaling. So probably not. Um, but to kind of back it up too, what I really found intriguing about wholesaling was it, they kept talking about cold calling. And in my sales position, all I did was cold call. Mm. So in my head, I was like, this is the first thing that I've came across to your point. It was probably beneficial for me to bounce around, but I don't know if it was, if it was necessarily like, I don't think bouncing around is beneficial, but for me to figure out where I needed to go in the beginning, it was, I guess. Um, and then, yeah. So because I was cold calling in my nine to five in my head, I was like, well, if I'm making $40,000 a year cold calling and these people are making $40,000 on a check cold calling, (laughs) I can just take what I'm doing because I was leading the team in every job that I went to for cold calling. So I was doing really well. And I'm like, if I can just talk to homeowners and make my own money, like I'm going to do that. So that's really also what caught my eye with wholesaling. But to answer your question, if I wasn't bouncing around, I don't think I would have found wholesaling. I want to dive into this cold calling bit if we can, because we, we have similar stories in that. Um, I'm not sure if I would imagine that you, you, you know, may have gotten your first deal fairly quickly or quicker than most. I didn't. Um, I didn't. didn't. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll get to there in a second. Then the cold calling bit, how much cold calling had you done before you started cold calling for your wholesaling business? Yeah. So I got my sales job, I think August, August 2017. And then I got fired like this November, December 2017. And then I got another job January. And then I got into wholesaling March, or it would have been September of 2018. So about a year. I see. Okay. So it, it wasn't like you had developed this, this callus for hearing the word no. And, and you were like, a, you were proficient on the phones or anything like that. You just had the mindset of, I'm already doing this for, for X amount of money. Why don't I just put in the same amount of money or same amount of effort and get X amount, X amount of money. Um, yeah. I okay. And I was talking to high level people. So like at my first job, we were actually making like 900 calls a day. 
but we were calling like CEOs. Like I remember, I, I think we talked to like one of the vice presidents at like Google. So we were like calling like real high level people and trying to get a hold of them. So I was, I was handling a lot of no's and a lot of objections. So trying to handle a homeowner's objection compared to, you know, a CEO who's in a fortune 100 company, who's getting bombarded by phone calls that are, you know, to, it was just like an easy transition for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, man, now I'm intrigued because I just assume that you like locked up a deal super quick with those phone skills and getting over. No, can you walk us through the, the first deal? Oh my gosh, man. It took me, I think, so I got started September, 2018 and I didn't get my first deal until January, 2020. Ooh. So it was like a year and like four months or something like that. Now, why, so, why do you think that is then? I mean, could you, can you go back and pinpoint why you think it took so long? Oh yeah. So to, like I said, so I jumped into whole, or I jumped into wholesaling cold calling, right? So at first I was only doing it after my nine to five and I was just cold calling, just cold calling. Um, and then like, I was trying to do it all by myself. So in my head, I was like, I can figure this out. It's just calling a homeowner, getting a deal under contract. I know what to do. So I'm trying to do this all by myself after work hours and like on the weekends. And then, um, fast forward to like March, 2019, uh, I was, like I was supposed to get promoted in my job and I ended up not because they hired someone externally. Um, and then I asked if I could work from home cause my grandma started, had gotten like dementia and she was moving into a retirement home. So I was like, could I transition, help her transition? And they were like, no. So at that point I had like $10,000 saved up and 20,000 in my 401k. So I dumped everything and just quit my job kind of abruptly. Um, Fortunately, I did live at home with my parents rent-free. So I was able to kind of, you know, live there and be able right. to do that. I wouldn't recommend everyone just abruptly <laughs> quit their job. Um, I was very fortunate in that situation. They weren't too happy. But anyways, I started from there. Once I quit, it was really like go time. I was just hammering the phones. So I had probably made like 50,000 cold calls. I was bouncing between everything though. So at the same time, I was trying text messaging I was trying um, SEO, Facebook ads. I tried Google ads. I remember I tried um, mailers. Like I, I was trying everything, right? And then at the same time, I was also bouncing. Like I always did DC, but then I would try Ohio and maybe I would sprinkle in Jacksonville. And so I was just bouncing all over the place. And then, so one day I sent out an SMS and I got a hold of a, um, it was a homeowner, but he wasn't looking to sell his house. He had another house under contract. And then, okay, so let me back up before I get to there. So before I got that deal, I would say to jumpstart the whole year and a half, what was taking me so long was trying to do it myself. So not part, like not putting my ego to the side and just going to someone who's doing more deals than I am and saying, Either can I work for you for free so I can learn the game or can I come work for you for a year as an acquisitions person or can I partner with you, bring you deals? Like how can I figure out how to jumpstart this business by connecting with someone else? So that was a big one. Um, the other big one was not, uh, not knowing my market. 
So I was doing 70% minus repairs, minus my wholesale fee. In my market, I can sell a deal at 70% of ARV. So for me to use 70% minus repairs, minus my fee, I was coming in at like 50%. Well, no one was even near my offer. Everyone was, you know, way higher than mine. Um, so it was a combination of that. And then shiny object syndrome, bouncing between markets, bouncing between different methods and not just sticking to one thing. So what so made those you, three. if it took you a year and a half to get your first deal, what made you keep going? I mean, I feel like, cause I, I talked to a lot of wholesalers, <clears throat> a lot of wholesalers that reach out to me and they're like a month without a deal, two months without a deal. And they're like debating, Oh my God, the world's ending. What do I do Tanner? How do I do this? Blah, blah, blah. What a year and a half without getting a deal. I mean, like literally yeah. what made you keep going? What made you say there's hope on the other, the other side? That's a yeah, long so time without a deal. It was a combination of things, right? So first and foremost, you have to have a growth mindset, right? So you got to understand that every failed contract, every bad appointment, every poor call, no matter what happens is just an opportunity to learn. As long as you're learning along the way, there's no way that you're not going to make it happen at some point. Love that. Right. Uh, But the other thing is social media gives everyone such an unreal expectation. Yes. Hmm. There are people who are getting deals in 30 days. Yes. There are people getting deals in 60 days. Guess how many businesses are successful in their first two years? Not many. I'm not saying it's going to take you two years. Most people can get a deal in four to six months, but to have a expectation that you're going to get into a new business and be successful in one month, is absolutely ridiculous. And you're already getting into this business with the wrong mindset. So for me, it was just understanding that one, I'm building a business, as long as I'm learning and growing, I'll be able to make it happen. But then after getting to like eight months or a year, I'm like, well, shit, I'm already deep into the game. I can't give up now. And, you know, part of it was my parents also like, hey, when are you going to get a job? You know, you need a plan B. And I'm like, no, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I, I can do this. So it was just a combination of, you know, mindset, understanding that this is a business and then also wanting to kind of prove everyone wrong and showing them that I can't do it. Yeah. You kind of answered my next question was, you know, what, what was the, what was your family like? What, you know, what were they saying to you? What was your friend saying to you? Cause again, I, I knows I was in a very similar situation as you, right? People were like, dude, go get a job, plan B, plan B. And I, you know, the mindset thing, like you were saying, you gotta have a growth mindset. You gotta mm-hmm. learn. And you got to accept failure and all this kind of stuff. And I was exactly the same as you. There's no plan B. Look, bitches. No plan B. I, I'm, I'm all in. I don't care how yeah. long it takes. And so um, that you literally answered my question. But let me ask you this then. From So you already came into the business knowing when you started, you picked up the phone the first day. You already had the mindset. You already had the expectation that it may take a year to get your first deal. You didn't have the expectation like a lot of people do where it takes 30 days to get a deal. And that's what they kind of expect. So you already had that said, is that correct? Yeah. And I remember, so I remember going into work the day that I decided to do wholesaling. And I remember telling a colleague of mine, and if he's watching, I hope you are. I remember, I remember (laughs) sitting at my desk and he goes, I was like, dude, I'm going to get into wholesaling. I'm like all excited. And he goes, man, that's, it's not worth it. I I've interviewed the people who you just talked to They're scams. Like, trust me, like you're going to waste your time. This isn't going to work for you. And he goes, you're just like me. And I was like, Mm. I'm nothing like you, bro. And he was like, he was like, excuse me. And I was like, I was like, you know why I'm nothing like you? And he goes, why? And I was like, because I'm not going to quit until I make this work. 
And I was like, it sounds like you threw in the towel. So if you gave up that quickly, bro, you're nothing like me. And then he got really upset and left. Preach. So Preach. I was already kind of burning bridges at that point at the job. And so, yeah, it was, again, it was part of just like, you know, mindset. I knew it was going to take some time, but after a certain point, it was like the people who were, and my parents were super supportive at the same time. But after a year, they're like, okay, dude, like, what the hell are you doing? Get a job. So, um, you know, it was just a, it was, it was a combination of also just wanting to prove people wrong, especially my coworker. I'm like, bro, I don't care if it's just one deal. I'm going to show this man that I can figure this out. Like, I love it. I love it. I, I want to dive in so much more in that, but, but I, th- I think we'll, we'll leave that one alone, but man, I, 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 I feel, gosh, that, 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 that's so good. It's such a good point to where you, you know, you had all this inconsistency, right? There was, there was all this stuff you were, you were trying all these different things. Um, and I feel like most people would get frustrated at some point in that journey. You know, maybe they've been paying, you know, for batch or prop stream or whatever for a few months and like, man, I'm not making any money, you know? Um, how do I do this? Or, or, you know, they're trying these different campaigns or whatnot. I, I'm still fascinated by where your mindset was at that stuck you in there because everything on social media um, glorifies the fast deal, you know? And, and I feel like that's where people kind of get in their feelings when they don't get a deal up front because they're seeing all these other success stories or whatever. And I'm really, I really am fascinated, especially having her, cause usually it's a, it's a family thing. You know, usually someone's family has very consistent practices or whatever, or, or they're, they've been in sports where they know you just got to suck it up and do the same thing over and over and over again. What was it for you specifically, Jacob, that kept you in the game so long? I, I'm still not landing on that. So I, once I read, um, think and grow rich, I strangely became super, super obsessed with mindset. Mm. so like i want to be a public speaker real estate really isn't to me the end goal so like i really became obsessed with mindset so i like i have like 75 books right here that i'm looking at that i've read every single one of them that's just around mindset so i had this weird obsession about mindset so i would just keep reading books and everything just kept talking about you know you focus on one thing focus on one thing it will happen um and so i just kept focusing on that and i think also being surrounded like I was in group texts with people who also were doing this for a year and hadn't done any deals or maybe they've been doing it for a year and had done one or two deals so for me it was like I understood that social media is social media the whole point of it is to attract people so it's super easy to go on there and talk about how someone got a deal in 30 days but that's one person out of the 75 who it took six months right you know, so I think being surrounded by people who were in kind of the same boat as me also made me understand like, this is not just, this is the normal. This isn't unusual for people not to get a deal in 30 days. That makes a total sense. And, and thank you for thinking grow rich to be your, your first personal development book. I mean, what a beast that is that it, for any of you that haven't read thinking grow rich by Napoleon Hill. It's an incredible, incredible book that was written a long time ago. Um, and to me, it's one of those tried and trues, you know, like, like Jacob said, all these, all these business owners recommended that book, you know, all these successful people have read that book. Uh, and you know, we hear, uh, rich dad, poor dad a lot, but I don't think enough credit is given to think and grow rich. Yeah. You know, that book, when I started reading that, I remember one of the opening lines that was talking about like in this book, you will, you will discover this secret. 
And it's so brilliant, you know, as a marketer, I'm like, oh man, they hooked you right in the beginning and just, you wanted to read it to find out what that thing was, you know, that, that you're going to discover. So I encourage any, anyone out there that hasn't picked up that book. I don't know why you haven't yet, but please pick that up. Um, but let, let's dive in a little bit more into your first deal. So how'd you get it? What kind of a lead was it? I, I want to kind of break down some of the, the technicals of your first deal. How'd you, you know, what, what type of, a, uh, what type of, you know, lead was it i guess yeah for sure um and then kind of the process you know some of the hiccups and all that stuff oh man yeah um and then one thing i do want to point out too is the other thing that kept me i gary v talks about this all the time is loving the journey right Hmm. um so i was in a very negative mindset prior to jumping into this space i did not like my job i was going through traffic and all that so learning about mindset was really helping me get to a better spot And so to me, it was all the journey. It was just like everything that I was learning, I was applying every bad, you know, I remember in my first sales job, I was doing terrible and all I switched up was one word. And then I started leading the team. So I subconsciously, I think picked up that as long as I just keep tweaking the process as I go, I'm going to get successful. Um, So I just want to point out to everyone, you know, fall in love with the journey, not the result. You're getting angry at yourself because you're more focused on getting that check within the first, you know, 30 days. But if you just focus on yourself and growing, you're going to get a deal. And when you do, it's going to domino effect and you're going to get a bunch, but maybe you're not ready for that deal yet. Maybe it's personal development wise, maybe it's experiment experience wise, but some people are meant to get that deal first. Some are it's, they're meant to get it later. So your journey is your journey. Just fall in love with it. Absolutely. So where did that, where did that deal come from? Yeah. So my first deal, I sent out text messages and again, I'm cold calling, but I'm just like, everyone's talking about SMS. Let's go ahead and jump into texting. Now, real quick, were you texting on your personal phone or did you, were you using a system to text? I think I was using text magic at the time. So it was a, it was a bulk system. So I had sent out a text blast and asked if they wanted to sell their house, the generic, like, you know, Hey, this is Jacob. I'm calling or I'm, saw your property at one, two, three main street, blah, blah, blah. So he reached out to me and he said, um, I have a property I'm looking to sell, but it's not the one you're calling about. It's basically a property that I'm a flipper. I I, I basically got it under contract. And another property that I have in South Carolina is going South. And I want to sell this one that I have under contract. If you want to buy it from me, you can buy it from me. Or if you want to bring someone in, you can bring someone in. So I was like, Hey, this doesn't work for me, but I can bring someone into the mix for you. He's like, if you find a buyer, I'll give you $10,000. Anything above 525 will split 50, 50. So I brought my buddy in at 550 and I walked away with 225. So my first deal was from a text message, but not through a homeowner. It was through an investor who had a deal under contract. And to answer your question, some hiccups that arrived like a rose were we had a JV agreement, me and the, me and the, um, the, seller. I guess the seller. Yeah. And I didn't know I was supposed to send it into title. Now I don't know if he was trying to go around me or to burn me, but when I had call, I talked to someone the day before closing and I was like, am I supposed to send this into title? And they're like, yeah, like send your JV in. So I sent it in and the title was like, we never even knew about this. So, you know, he ended up making $120,000. So I can't imagine he was trying to keep, you know, keep just 20 K away from me. But at the end of the day, 
send all your documents into, and he was like adamantly like, don't send them into title. I'll handle it. And then eventually I just sent everything into title and was like, I don't know if he sent everything in, but I need to get involved at this point. So even if someone else is, you know, saying that they're doing it, I always just double check with title to make sure they've received everything and especially your documents. Yeah. I, I know in the very beginning, I was so clueless with title. You know, I, I did not understand their role. You know, I knew from being a, a you know, from buying my own house, just traditional, um, <clears throat> you know, that, that we had to go to the title office and sign stuff or whatever, but I didn't know what they actually did. And the right. more I got into it, you know, I kept hearing, Hey, just make sure you guys, you know, you choose your own title company and don't use theirs. And, but I never knew the why. And so hearing that, hearing that's good insight, you, do you, any more insight do you want to share for any new wholesale, wholesalers regarding title? Um, just make sure they're wholesale friendly, you know, always call your title company, make sure that they're familiar with assignments on HUDs or Altas. Um, you know, ideally, if you can figure out if they're, uh, if they do blind HUDs or split settlements. So basically what that is, is let's say you're making a $40,000 assignment fee rather than double closing. They'll have two settlements, one going to the seller and one going to the buyer. The seller doesn't see the assignment fee only the buyer does. So, you know, that's not a, not anything like that will be a deal breaker. Sure. So you want to just make sure it's wholesale friendly. They're cool with double closing and assignments. And then a bonus would be if they also do blind HUDs or split settlements. Awesome. So you got this thing locked up. You, you smartly thought about the, the JV agreement before closing. Thank God. Um, how did you find the buyer? So it was actually a friend of mine had connected me with him like a year ago. And I kept trying to get in touch with my buddy and like have him connect me with him. But he like, I don't know, for whatever reason, he wasn't connecting me or like we kept forgetting. I don't know what was happening. But I finally was just like, all right, I'm just going to find this guy on Instagram, found him on Instagram and messaged him and was like, hey, man, I just got a deal under contract in DC. Like, are you interested? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Send it over. So I sent it over to him. And then, you know, that's how we started doing business. Yeah. So how'd you find him on Instagram then? Did you? So I had known, um, I knew like his name, but I didn't know his like last name. So I just went into my buddy's like followers or following and I like searched him up or something. I don't remember exactly how I found him. Do you still use Instagram to find buyers then? Or is that like a one time? No, that was just a one time thing. That was literally like my buddy's friend did flips and I knew his name, but I didn't know his number. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to go try to find him in like my friend's followers. And then once I found his account, I knew what he looked like. So I was like, all right, I got him. Let me message him. (laughs) Well, that deal was was many, many moons ago. And um, I'm sure you've done plenty, plenty more since then. What's been your biggest month so far? Um, so surprisingly it was a direct to seller deal. We did 53,000 that month. Um, yeah, 53,000, I think would be my biggest month. Very nice. Incredible. So how long did it take you then? I always like to ask this because I always tell people the second deal is the hardest, right? It was the hardest for me. It's the hardest for most people that I know. How long from the first deal did it take you to get your second deal? Question. Yeah. So I got my first deal January and then my second deal, weirdly enough, came from a mailer. A real estate agent called me off of the mailer and was like, my client wants to sell the property to you. And I was like, all right. Um, wow. Yeah. And that was in May. So it was like four months or five months apart. 
Um, it took you and, four to five months to get your second deal. Yeah. Oh man, you had the grit in you. A year and a half in the first, so, four to five the second. So look, wow. it was I got twenty two five for the first deal. So I was like, all right, I'm back in the game. And <laughs> <clears throat> what ended up happening is I kept making offers on properties, and they kept I kept getting outbid. And I was like, dude, what is going on? And I remember I, I um, got connected with this dude named Jimmy and shout out to Jimmy. Cause he really kind of opened my eyes to wholesaling. So shout out, Jimmy. I, yeah, I remember um, he, he was, I, we, I had a seller and I was like, I don't know how to get this dude. Like, I don't know what to do. <clears throat> and he's like, just call him and say, you want to go to the appointment? And I was like, what? And he's like, give me your phone, dude. <laughs> so he like takes my phone he calls the seller and he's like, Hey man, we want to come out and see the property. Are you free today at three? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, all right, cool. We'll see you there. Hangs up the phone, calls a buyer. And he's like, Hey man, um, we might have a deal for you at this number. Are you interested? And he's like, yeah. He's like, all right, cool, man. If we can get this locked up, like it's sold. I'm like, what the heck did like, hold on. I got the, I, I don't know what I'm doing in this industry. Yeah. <laughs> so then me and him kept going on appointments and I kept losing to this one company. And I'm like, dude, like I can't keep, so kind of fast forward. I kept losing deals to them. And I remember I had a seller. We, I was at 640. I thought I could sell the deal at 680. They came in at 680 and sold it at 700. Now hmm. the seller came to me and said, I really want to take your offer of 640, but I have three siblings involved. I can't take $40,000 less, or I can't convince them to take $40,000 less because I like you. So unfortunately we're going with them. So I kind of was thinking, I'm like, dude, if we got it at 640 and we sold it at 700 and we split it, that's 60 K split. That's 30, 30. They just got it at 680 and sold it at 700. So they just made 20 when we could have both made 30. So I'm like, why are we competing right now? So I called them and I was like, hey, is there any way we can work together? Because I'm literally making offers on every single property you are. <laughs> and the sellers like me enough to accept my offers, but you guys come in higher. And he was like, that sounds like a great idea. So I started mm. sending them all of my deals. So I looped them in on the second deal. And they basically did everything for me. And they, they basically closed that deal and I didn't do anything. I, I connected them with the real estate agent. They locked it up, sold the deal, and then called me one day and was like, hey, we got 12,000 for you. Smart. Dude, that is one hell of, it's one hell of a story because I wouldn't have ever thought to do that. Because my next <laughs> question I was actually going to ask you is, so you said you kept getting outbid, which by the way, this is a way props to you. I was going to ask, since you're getting outbid, how did you readjust your formula? How did you figure out what exactly, you know, in the market? I was trying. I was going trying. to 80%. I was upping my, I was lowering my repair costs and they were still winning. So I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. So how did so that conversation then, go with that company? If, if you can remember the initial conversation, I mean, I know you kind of just said it briefly, but was he really like, instantly was he open to the idea yeah. was he kind of he was instantly open to it yep i i remember i got i got his number i think from i think from my title company and they were like yeah go ahead and, and give him a call um because i knew someone real close at the title company and i think they asked him if it was cool so i gave him a call and it's pretty much just that i was like hey man for that property that you guys just got at 680 and sold at 700 or I asked him where he basically sold it at. And when he said 700, that's when I was explaining we could have got it at 640. And I was like, bro, we could have both made 30,000. 
but you walked away with 20 because we were competing. So why don't I send you my deals? Somehow we figure out how to work together. And he was like, so I think he already had a program like that for other wholesalers because they were pretty established. So I don't think it was necessarily a new idea to him. So he right. was pretty receptive. Um, but yeah, and then kind of to fast forward, my next deal didn't happen until November. <laughs> so it was like three Brother. deals in a year. So right. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, man, this, it doesn't work. Um, I'm like, it, it works, but this is too sporadic for me to make anything happen. I had like $6,000 left. And I remember I'm, pr- I, I'm pretty anti-guru. And I remember Jamil's ad popped up and he's like shivering. And he's like, are you tired of cold calling? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, dude, am I ever? Okay. And and let me back it up. So I asked the people who I partnered with, I said, where are you guys getting deals from? And they said, 50% of our deals come from other wholesalers. Hmm. So in my head, I'm like, how do I work with other wholesalers? Then Jamil's ad pops up. He's sitting there shivering. And I'm like, all right, I'm tired of cold calling. Let me see what he has to offer. So I, call the ad. They tell me they teach you how to work with other wholesalers. And I'm like, this is exactly what I'm trying to figure out at the time. It was cause it was like two and a half, three years ago at the time, the course I think was 6,000. And I'm like, I only have 6,000 and they're like, we'll put you on a payment plan. And the payment plan made it into like January. So I was like, okay, I live at home. If I figure out how to make this $6,000 last until January, I should be able to make it happen. If not, I'm going back to a nine to five job. So what ended up happening was I quit all of direct to seller. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to do the Astro model and work with other wholesalers. Uh, I joined Astro in September. I did my, that third deal in November, but then I did an Astro flipping deal in December. And I was like, okay, there's something here. And then I did, I did two deals in January and then I did a direct seller, direct a seller in February. And then I think three in March. And then it was just kind of snowballing. And I was like, okay, I'm actually starting to get the hang of this. Um, and now I think we've done about 40, 40 or so deals. We've made like 450,000 in assignment fees. Ooh. And we've helped other wholesalers bring in roughly like 1.3 million, I think, in assignment fees. You're killing it. Dude, that's incredible. You know, like, so a common theme. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) A common theme that I see amongst wholesalers that that are getting deals done um, is that they're resourceful, you know, and hearing you come up with this grand idea of seeing the $60,000, you know, potential split that you missed out on versus them making 20, you know, and just having that mindset instead of being like, you know what, fuck those guys for, for, you know, cutting me out on the deal. And, you know, like, like most people would, they would react emotionally. You know, you, you said, how can I be resourceful here? Look at the numbers and realize, oh, wow, we both could win here. Instead of you winning a little bit, instead of you, you know, taking all of a, like, like you know, we said earlier, all, all of a, a grape, we can have half of a watermelon, bro. Like, let's, right. let's do this. Um, with that resourcefulness, um, walk me through a dark time in your business. Like what's, what's one of the dark times in your business? Like what happened and how'd you get through it? Yeah. So I think right when I joined Astro flipping was probably pretty stressful. So like right around, um, I want to say like October. So September and October, I probably had $150,000 in deals fall through. 
Mm. And it was like um, a fake. So there would be like two wills that are connected to a property. One, someone forged a will and they couldn't figure out who's pro- like whose will was the right one and had to go to court. There'd be like another case where a squatter would be in the property and then, you know, something happened to where the squatter got another six months. And so there would always be something. I would ha- I would have an assignment, $50,000 spread. The buyer would go to walk it and then the seller would be doing something weird. And then the seller would just ghost us. And now my buyer's like, I'm out. And it would just be like one deal after another. And I'm just like, I don't even know. This is ridiculous. So weirdly enough, I remember talking to Jamil and I said, like, I don't, I've tried everything. I meditate in the morning. I practice mantras. I I'm literally doing everything. I do all the mindset stuff, dude. I I do everything. I'm learning. I like, I don't know what else I can do at this point. I'm open to anything, but I need to figure out what's happening. And I'm not like, I don't know if it's connected to this. I believe it is because I've seen it change my life so many times. So Jamil ironically goes, I want you to try the six phase meditation for 30 days, one time a day. And it was like October. And I'm like, I'm going to go a little farther than that. I'm going to do this six phase meditation three times a day. And I'm going to do it until the end of the year. And he was like, okay, cool. And for those of you who don't know what the six phase meditation is, it's the, it's called the six phase meditation by vision Lakiani. And it's on YouTube. You can search it up, but it essentially goes through six phases and it goes through connecting to the people around you. Um, gratitude, forgiveness, your three-year goal, what you're going to do for the day, and then connecting to a higher power, connecting to energy, connecting to yourself, whatever it is that you want to connect to. So I started doing that and then things just started dominoing. It was so weird. And, and I'm not lying to you. I'm not the, I'm not religious. I'm not super spiritual, but every time I stop doing the six phase, things start to hit the fan in my business. Every time we start doing it again, me and my cousin, it things just start to domino again. So I don't know if we're bringing energy into it. I don't know if there's religion behind it. I don't know if there's spirituality behind it, but there's something behind, maybe it's mindset. Maybe I'm just changing my mindset with this. I don't know. But every time I do the six phase, things start to work in my favor. And every time I stop, things start to hit the fan. So it's probably not the answer that everyone was hoping that I got through, but that really, like, I really say the six phase changed my life. Bro, that's probably one of the most beneficial answers that anyone could, could hear, Absolutely. you know, realistically, you know, it's not a specific thing where I ran in this problem. So I, how, how I got out of it was I talked to this guy or this girl and, you know, like that, that's, that's almost unrelatable, but this is something that every single person can tie into their life. And, and I, I want to push you a little on the, on the, the six phase meditation, because Jamil also, you know, I heard him recommend that. And, um, at the time I was just doing my normal meditations and I was mm-hmm. new to meditating. And so an ADHD mind like myself, it was so hard, so hard to just calm my mind. And I'm like, all right, I know the whole purpose of this is to calm my mind, but how do I calm my mind to, to learn to calm my mind? Um, and, and so I heard about the six phase meditation and I started doing it. Uh, I didn't stick with it though. So I need to go back and this is the second time this week that I've heard it. So I'm going to make a commitment on this podcast that, that I'm getting back into it. And that's very inspirational to hear that. But I want to kind of ask, um, 
what you said you're doing it three times a day. I hate yeah, to get that's into a little the what so much. <laughs> and I understand that. And I hate to get, again, to get into the what so much. But, you know, when you're writing down your goals or things like that, if you're doing it, uh, you know, even daily, how do you, you know, do you write the same thing down over and over again if it is the same? Or because those are some of those things that people that, that are quote unquote overthinkers can kind of get stuck into, you know, gosh, am I doing it right? Or, you know, how do I do this? What's your, what's your, What's your, um, you know, uh, advice on anyone who is quote unquote, maybe, uh, an overthinker, they're working on that, um, to, to meditate, to get into something like that. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I'm definitely an overthinker as well. Um, I would say the first thing, two things I use Jim quicks kind of morning routine and part of it is meditation. And for me, it was really hard for me to get started as well, but I really wanted to, include meditation because I saw how many people were meditating that were successful. There's so many successful entrepreneurs and CEOs who are doing it. And so I was like, I'm just going to kind of force myself. Like if everyone can do it, I can do it. So as hard as it was for me, I just kind of made myself become comfortable with meditation. Now that I've meditated for like four years, um, I'm not doing it as often as I'd want to right now. Cause a lot of times I'm just waking up and get straight to work. So I need to get back to it. And I think that's why I literally just had four deals go left. I guarantee you it's because I'm not doing the six phase right now. Um, but what we'll I've learned- follow up show where we talk yeah, about right? it. <laughs> um, but what I've learned mainly for meditation is it has nothing to do with clearing your mind. It has more so to do with allowing the thoughts to enter your mind. So there's mm-hmm. a few different ways that you can meditate. One, you can focus on your breath. You can say in and then out. Or you can say like one and two, and then you just keep doing that. And when your thoughts go, when your thoughts go off and you catch it, you just come back to your counting or your, your in and out. And then eventually you can go longer and longer without your mind wandering away. And it just helps you get control of your mind. The other kind of meditation you can do is literally just sit there and let thoughts flow. I know that's scary for some people. It it can be pretty scary because you might come up with like, past traumas or something that you're thinking about, but sit in a room for 10 minutes by yourself and just let your thoughts flow. Like that's also meditation. So I think a lot of people have that misconception that meditation is just trying to empty your mind of, and have no thoughts, which is literally impossible. So I think understanding that it's more about gaining control of your mind and just helping pull itself away from distraction will allow people more to be like, okay, like I can have as many thoughts as I want to. It's just a matter of once I catch myself thinking, I just come back to the breathing. Absolutely. Yeah, I think meditation is extremely important. Um, and like you said, it's not so much of you spending the time to think it's just letting those thoughts, letting everything kind of just sit in your brain and in the quiet. And, and again, Aisha knows this about me, but my form of meditation is I will literally drive with no music, nothing, no podcast, no music, nothing just me and my truck and it's that time to indulge and think and really just for whatever reason rather than just sitting around doing it driving for me works the best Mm -hmm. but i don't don't know why that is but yeah no it's it's just like you said and and i wasn't big on meditation either um like like you were saying um it's one of those things that you kind of adapt and you realize how powerful it is because it allows you to almost other than just 
in, out, deep breath. But like you said, it gives your brain time to process things and without distraction. And it does ease the pressure and it does ease the tension. And it's so important for not only wholesalers, but entrepreneurs and anyone. Anyone. Um, I mean, it's been, people have been meditating for thousands and thousands of years. Right. But, and then kind of too, the reason I do like the six phases, because people who have a more active mind, again, the first phase is connection. So you literally, you're picturing yourself a bubble around you kind of growing around everyone and you're connecting with everyone. Then it's gratitude. You're literally thinking about what you're grateful for and why you're grateful for that. And then forgiveness, forgiveness is literally proven to help you go into, I think either an alpha level state or a theta level state. So you go into a deeper wavelength, uh, like your mind goes deeper when you forgive. So Mm -hmm. having forgiveness in there and really going, and I'm not talking about forgiving the person who kicked you in the back of the shoe on accident at the grocery store line. Like I'm talking about, and this was hard for me. Like I've gone into tears a lot of times in my meditation, like going back to your actual traumas and things that you didn't even realize were traumas and healing and trying to get through those that helps you go deeper. And then you start visioning and you start picturing where you're going in three years. And today, if you do that every single day, once or twice, your goals are at the front of your mind. You have compassion and gratitude in your heart every day. You you're forgiving people every single day and you're connecting with spiritually with someone you're connecting with something like it's hard to be in a shitty mood when you're constantly filling your mind with that kind of energy. Right, man. That's, that's super impactful. I want to ask what, like, what's a, what's a, and kind of in closing, cause I, I know we're coming up on our time, but what's a word of inspiration that you've got for wholesalers that are, that are just getting started? Um, a word of inspiration for wholesalers just getting started. Um, don't give up. I mean, like I said, have a growth mindset under like my favorite mantra is things don't happen to me. Things happen for me. Hmm. So like any, or with every obstacle or every obstacle is a lesson to learn or an opportunity to learn. Right. So for me, whenever I, and I'm not the best at it, but whenever I have something go South, I try to learn from it and apply it to how can I change this going forward? So if you have a bad phone call, it's not the seller. It's you. You had the bad phone call. How can you correct yourself? Okay. Maybe I'm saying, and, or maybe I'm saying, um, maybe I'm saying, what if maybe I'm using words that aren't confident. Maybe if I change that, I'll have better results. Okay. Now I got a lead. Okay. Now I got a contract that contract went South. Okay. What do I need to do to make sure that doesn't happen again? So as long as you're learning every step of the way and you have that growth mindset, you're good. But it's the second that you think everyone who was successful was naturally successful mm. and that you just need to have the gifts to get started. And if you don't do it in a month, it's just not for you. That's bullshit. There are so many people who I've literally talked to a lot of people who it took a year to get their first deal and they're crushing it now. So as long as you partner with people, have a growth mentality and, you know, st- like, work with other people, you're going to be good. But I think a word of advice is make sure your mindset is right and don't give up. 
So good. So good, yes. brother. I'm I've got you. two final questions for you um, as we come to a close. One, I want to go back to something that you said a long time ago uh, in the episode that I, I know that there's there's got to be a listener who's like, oh my God, like, please explain that or please. <laughs> you had mentioned there was one thing that you changed uh, in, in your script, uh, if you will, that it wasn't real estate related. I think it was just sales related. You said there's what you said. I changed okay, one, one thing. Word. I went from, yeah, one word. And I went from, you know, failure to success. What was that word? Yeah, it was kind of, I actually just touched on it. Um, it was when I was on the phones, I was saying maybe, and what if, so I'd be like, well, we might be able to help you, or maybe our product can help you. And then my, uh, manager pulled me into the office and he's like, you're not portraying confidence when you say things like that. So I was like, damn. So I took those words out and I literally went from like a, it was like a, I was, I didn't get any appointments, none. And then I ended up having like an 87%, um, like appointment setting rate so that all the appointments I set would be, they actually showed up. So I was getting more appointments than everyone. And I was like holding more appointments and like the closest person who held it to me was like 30%. So by switching that confidence and just, you know, listening wow. to myself and going back and being like, okay, as long as I switch that, I'm good. You know, that really helped me. The That's one true. thing I do want to point out too, and I know I feel like a lot of people are going to be wondering about this because I kind of touched on it in my market. I used to do the 70% minus AR or minus profit or minus rehab minus my wholesale fee. And I know I can sell a deal at 70% now. I know a lot of people are probably like, how, how do you know that? Like, how do you know a deal sells at 70%? So I'm doing this right now for Tampa. Um, I'm literally pulling flips from tax records. I'm looking at where they were bought and where they were sold. And I'm taking that percentage and I'm doing that for like a hundred properties. And I'm constantly building out as I look up comps and come across LLCs and that kind of stuff. So what that shows me is if I see someone's buying a property at 250,000 and they're selling it at 500,000, they're at 50%. If 50% or 50 to 60% comes up enough times out of a hundred lit deals, I know that buyers are buying flips at 50 to 60%. So I don't need to worry about re like rehab costs or any of that. All I need to worry about is making sure that it's under those numbers. Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> love it. That That's so good. Um, man, that's so good. All right. Um, so thank you for answering that. Um, it, and there's, I, I do want to add a, just a little bit, a little bit of seasoning on that. It's phenomenal that, that you, you, you know, you got that coaching to make that shift, um, and you saw the difference and it was your confidence, your confidence changed over the phone and people yeah. buy confidence. You know, we have one of the acquisition guys that we work with who, uh, uh, who's phenomenal. Uh, I won't, I won't name drop him, but he, he is, uh, on, on one of our podcasts. Um, but he is, what is he, 17, 18? 18. 18. Sounds like a grown ass man yeah. um, and has the confidence of a grown man who's been doing real estate for 20 years. You would never know that this is almost a kid that you're talking to. And he, a lot of times, doesn't know what he's talking about. But 100%. he just exudes so much confidence in his conversation that you just go with it. And he's doing deals. So, uh, yes, th thank you. Thank you for making that point and bringing that up. 
Um, last question for you. Oh, go ahead, Jacob. I was going to say, and that's true, man. When I talked to agents, when I first got started and I didn't know what was going on, I had so much confidence that everyone was just like, all right, this dude knows what he's doing. Um, but even also with working with other wholesalers, I, um, I, I enter it with a lot of confidence. So one, I don't do 50, 50 JVs. I don't do anything exclusive. So I position myself differently, but when I go into it, I, so confident that I can help them move their deal. And because of also what I'm adding with non-exclusivity and all of that, they're like, let's do it. So 100%, if you're going into a deal and you're like, well, I think the numbers can work. Um, I might have a buyer for this, or, you know, you know, I might, my partner might want this one. Like you're not going to get the deal. If you don't, you might not know anything about real estate. You could jump in and be like, yeah, you know, repair costs for me are going to be like $65,000. Um, honestly, like, yeah, this is going to be a tough one. I, you know, I'm going to have to do 150 on this one. You might not know anything about what you just said, but because you came off confident, they're like, so all right, true. damn, this dude kind of knows what he's saying. 100%. It's so <laughs> true. <laughs> Tanner and I work together and we work together virtually, but we stream like we're in an office right next to each other. I'm in Alaska. He lives in Oklahoma city. And, and there's been so many times where he Tulsa. and I are, are, are Tulsa. Sorry. I said, Oklahoma city, Oklahoma. Um, That's but there's been so many times where, where I wasn't too sure about something, you know, and, and I'd be on the phone talking with something and the agent would be like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I'll work with you. Cause you sound like, you know what you're talking about. I'd look at Tanner like, Dude, I, had no, I, had no, I just said it with confidence, yeah. um, but it's so true. Okay. Last question. What is your definition of success? Um, my definition of success. So I really want, I mean, I guess just living out your dream, whatever your dream might be. Um, so for me personally, I really want to be a public speaker um, and travel a lot. So I want to be, and, and I also want to be able to donate, um, ideally, whether it's starting a schedule or whether it's starting like a nonprofit or something. Um, but I want to donate a billion dollars towards ocean cleanup. So for me, success is being able to have enough money coming in to where I can public speak, whether I get paid or not, and then also be able to start getting to that billion dollar goal, whether it's starting a non, you know, a uh, nonprofit company and raising it that way, or whether it's me donating a billion dollars. Um, so for me, that would be my definition of success for, for like my journey. But I think overall, you know, success is whatever, you know, being able to live your dream, whatever your dream might be, whether that's, you know, owning a company, being the best nine to five, you know, worker you can be being a teacher, being the best mom you can be like, whatever your dream is, as long as you put it, you're all into it and you think that you're doing the best you can and you're happy. That to me is success. Thank you for that, uh, that, that description and that definition. And thank you for making it specific to you. You know, I was, I was always, I'm always fearful whenever I ask kind of an open, vague question like that, that I'm going to get the standard, you know, success is whatever it means to you and all that stuff. So thank you for giving me a, a realistic Absolutely. idea of, of what it means for you. And I think that is a huge goal, obviously of 1 billion to give away, give away 1 billion. Most people don't even, can't even dream big enough to make 1 billion. You're trying to give it away. Um, so that's huge. That inspires me to actually try and or not try, but that inspires me to create a goal to, to give to this. I mean, 
if I can be a part of your 1 billion for ocean cleanup, I'm all about the ocean. I'm a Florida boy. So that's, uh, yeah, dude, that's phenomenal. Well, Jacob, thank you for your time, man. This has been, no, it's okay. It's okay. He's still still here folks. There's (laughs) anyone who's watching this. Oh, there you go. He's back. I'm back. Um, but anyways, um, I just want to say thank you again for your time, brother, and uh, for your energy and for everything that you do. I look so forward to working more with you closer and doing a deal. Jacob, can you tell people where you're doing business at, how people can get in touch with you? For sure. And I appreciate you for having me on. Looking forward to definitely doing some deals as well. Um, For anyone who's trying to get in touch, my Instagram handle, and I don't use TikTok that much, but TikTok handle, I'm pretty sure is the real Jacob Simpson. Um, on YouTube, it's Jacob Simpson, REI, like real estate investing. Um, and then, yeah, those are pretty much the main places that you can get a hold of me. I have my Facebook link also on my Instagram. So if you want to go to my Instagram to follow me on Facebook, you can do that as well. What, mar- what, what markets are you in? What markets are you doing business in? Beautiful. I know you mentioned Tampa, but is that the only market? So I'm in mainly I'm in DC, Maryland and Virginia, kind of like the DMV area. So I'm not all of Virginia and all of Maryland, just kind of the outskirts around DC. Um, And then we're also in Tampa and Jacksonville. Um, I did do a deal in Denver. I'm not necessarily sure if, um, you know, we're going to go super heavy in Denver anymore. I think we're kind of pulling back to just Florida and DC. Um, So at the moment, let's just say DC and Florida. Before I let Aisham, I guess, wrap this up officially, I just want to say I, I think your story is powerful. And I think I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to you and, you know, kind of, you know, the struggles that you went through in terms of it does. You can't get a deal in 30 days. Not everyone is like that. Like social media doesn't portray like, you know, how social media. So I think there's a lot of people behind the curtain that are going to be way more relatable to your story rather than someone that did do a deal in 30 days. And I think your story is extremely powerful and how you didn't give up and how you kept pushing through and you didn't allow yourself to have a plan B because I didn't either. And so I think, again, it's just really relatable to people. So I want to take a moment to, to thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. I'm glad. To, and thank you guys for bringing me on to share my story. Absolutely. Heck yeah. Heck yes. Yeah. So that's Jacob Simpson. You can find him at the Woo! real Jacob Simpson across the socials. Find him on YouTube at Jacob Simpson, REI. We will, we will have that in the show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up another episode of the Wholesale Elite Show, podcast, show, whatever. Uh, Thank you guys so much for your time. And uh, we look forward to joining you on the next episode. Take care, everyone. Peace. Peace. What up, guys? Thank you for watching or listening to another episode. And look, here's the deal. If you got value out of today's episode, we kindly ask that you subscribe and like and get this bad boy going. And look, if you're in Florida, we're in Florida. That's our marketplace. And we want to help your deals get to the finish line. So if you got any deals that need help with Dispo, send us an email. We're at deals at unwindinvestments.com. You can also submit it via our property submission form online at unwindinvestments.com slash deals and guys we want you to be the next guest on our show so get out there and hustle and grind and let's get to work we'll see you in the next episode peace